Maddie's kind of right, right? Go hundreds of percent. Hundreds of percent? Thousands of percent. Going about it wrong way, but arguably pretty right. Pretty right. Pretty right. Pretty right. Yeah. Mm. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And it's New Year's Eve. Wow. Wow. We're recording a couple days late just because, you know, the holidays have continued my brother was in town, mm. his, his partner, and we went and celebrated with my family. Yeah, Christmas part two. Part two, electric boogaloo. So, you know, we'll get back to regularly scheduled programming. And then we go on vacation. <laughs> and then so we go on knows? vacation, and then, you know, sometime in the near future, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. What are we here to do today? Give me that rundown. Today we're here to talk about comics. Big surprise. We're talking about... That Marvel Voices, Snicked Family number six. Pop, pop. We have X-Men Unlimited number 67. Whoa. Extreme X-Men number two. Midnight Suns number four. Dark Web Venom number 14. Dark Web The Amazing Spider-Man number 16. New Mutants number 33. X-Terminators number four. And Dark Web X-Men number two. Wow, what a lineup. So many things to talk about. So many things that are not X-Men comics. Except a lot of them are X-Men comics. Splintered into X-Men comics. It gets even wider next week. Great. Wow. Wow. But before that... It's time for... The News! News, news, news. 2022 in the rear view. Marvel oh. unleashing a couple of recap articles talking the best comic issues oh. as recommended by some some staff, some editors, some writers, some comic aficionados. Oh, really? Going over some big picture Marvel Unlimited milestones. Oh. X-Men holding it down. Mm. Not only the most read team book. But the most read Infinity series with X-Men Unlimited. Oh, snap. Racking up those wins on Krakoa. Good job, X-Team. Good job, team. So there's three different articles. There's the best comic issues, best Marvel Unlimited milestones, and favorite MCU moments. So they were all kind of interesting. You want to call any of those out? Which ones? What are you talking about? What's the number one spot in all of the... That's not something that's easy... (laughs) Well, it's less that they did a number one spot and more Mm. that they did kind of like a senior superlatives of different characters. So hulking good time with She-Hulk. Okay. Issues six and seven, which I mean, I've been catching up with She-Hulk. It's interesting. It's cute. Not a whole lot's happening. Okay. Kind of seeding something to happen. Some call outs for Amazing Spider-Man, number one, number four, the unlimited Infinity comic. Mm-hmm. It's Jeff Infinity Comic. Oh, yeah. Lots of love People for love Jeff. Jeff. Some sensational special occasions with AXE Judgment Day. Boo. Fantastic Four Full Circle. Iron Man Hellcat. Some excellent X-Men comics. X-Men comics get their own section. Well, as they should. As they should. Immortal X-Men number one. Immortal X-Men number three. Mm-hmm. X-Men Hellfire Gala number one. X-Men Red number three. Whoa. Ten Lives Wolverine number one. Okay. x Deck of Wolverine number one. Wow. And number two of 10 Lives. Wow, wow, all wow. All called out as some winners of the year. 
and a review from some of our our favorite moments. And I, I just like from the MCU. I like how they have the banner of okay, here's Moon Knight, and mm-hmm. then someone said something about Moon Knight, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and a bunch of different people said different things about. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. And the stats they actually pulled stats on Marvel Unlimited because they have that more readily available yep. being all digital based. Cool. There's a interview with Peach Momoko on Marvel's Voices podcast. Oh, cool. Which I thought was really cool. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's on my lineup for the next time I have time to kill and <laughs> dishes to wash or something to do. Somewhere to drive. Some time to use my new AirPods. Ooh. Timeless. So yes. for the, the second year in a row, we've gotten a timeless issue. Mm-hmm. Little Kang story by Jed McKay, which I'm a big fan of Jed McKay. He's, he's knocking him out of the park every time I read him. He's the writer of Mary Jane and Black Hat. Oh, yeah. Dark Web. Okay. All right. And so last year was the first time they had done this. A little story of Kang. Kang exists basically throughout all time mm-hmm. and a way to... Is timeless, you might say? You could say that if you wanted to... Put the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So he's able to basically see ahead for the year and show us some teases. Oh, some, some predictions. Some images. The mutants Uh-oh. come up a handful of times oh, in these they? previews. Oh, really? I've said that twice now. What? That really. What is that? A Jim Carrey <laughs> quote? Really? <laughs> on this first page, you've got Beast multiplied and we've seen this on a couple of covers oh no where uh, he seems to be taking a note from sinister and making an army of himself you know science is the villain of the krakoan era don't like that and on the bottom the treehouse also there oh nothing specific but the fact that it's there and it's on fire. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, and is it on fire? <laughs> no, it's, on, it's also on fire. <laughs> and there's a bunch of protesters outside. So that's It is there and on fire. And also on fire. Yeah. That's that's huge. But a second page. Oh. With three things relevant to the mutants. Oh. Wolverine rocking a flaming skull similar to <gasps> a Spirit oh, of no. Variance. Ben Percy riding Ghost Rider and Wolverine. Oh gosh. Uh what's going on? <gasps> We've got the peacock the man peacock looking man. at an egg, oh, no. which looks like a giant Krakoan egg or a synthetic Krakoan, Krakoan egg. egg. A fake seas. And Captain Marvel brooded. Uh-oh, she's brooding out. And we have that coming up in the next couple months. Oh, man. This is really interesting. There's a new villain that's introduced, them and their heroes, as they are trying to take out some of the biggest threats to their plan in the Marvel Universe. Mm. And we had a question from Warline about who do we think that this new villain is? They're going around. There's there's like a little chessboard ah. with some key villains. Doom, Kang, Ultron, to name a few. There's five. And they kind of dispose of Kang by the end of the issue. Spoilers, I guess. Oh. <laughs> but he's still alive. But it's like, who could who could he be? Who could they be? Mm, who could be controlling all these other villains? Warline thinks it's Ultron. Mm. I I got to read that it was Kang, and I don't know if that's too appropriate. I don't because know if that's Because it was too, a Kang comic? It's a Kang comic, but also the, the way that it starts with, how could this crazy thing happen? Who would have done this? Oh, it was me. Mm. And 
this whole story surrounds Kang's need to find a moment that he cannot access. And okay. to get that moment, he needs heroes. And this villain comes with a entourage of heroes. Mm. So I just feel like it's a, it's a different version of Kang existing in multiple places as multiple folks. I don't know. Mm. Mm. We shall see as 2023 unfolds. Yes, we shall. Our last thing is the poll. The poll. Three entries into the poll. Dark Web, New Mutants, and Exterminators. Ooh. Oh, man. Which one won? Hmm. I I have an answer in my heart, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say Dark Web won. Dark Web did not win. I knew it was Exterminators. Well, then why didn't you say it? I don't know. It doesn't count. Because, no, no, yes, doesn't it does. Count. Nope. Because last week I was wrong, so I've been feeling off my game. Well, should trust as you got. It was Exterminators. What's the, what's the numbers? Exterminators by, hmm, what were the other two? Dark Web, X-Men, and New Mutants. Uh, 53%. What's Dark Web? Dark Web is... It's probably... I don't want to tell you. You said no clues. 41%. So it is the closest it has ever been with two titles. Okay. Okay. Exterminators winning by just a couple of votes with 47%. Oh. Dark Web X-Men with 45%. Wow. New Mutants at 8%. See, this is why I this is why I was he- hesitant with my answer because I think Exterminators is a really great book and it was the most fun I think of overall, but Dark Web X-Men was heat. really good. Yeah, it was a really solid X-Men comic. Really great tie-in. So many good things happening. So much art. Gorgeous, so much gorgeous art. art. Freaking Rod. And Phil. And Phil. I don't know if you noticed that. The, the duo. The duo. The duo that are doing it all. We have some general questions. A handful of general questions, Oh, actually. okay. Yeah, so... Pre-discussion questions. Gilbert Rojo, 1022, wants to know who the standout character of all the books was for each of us. Of all the books? Of all the books this week. Who is the standout character of all the books? I'm going to go out and say that it's Madeline Pryor. All right. I'll take that early. You can have Madeline, because I want magic. Magic, yeah. Because I'm thinking all the books, and Magic was also in Midnight Suns. Sure. And did some pretty good things in Midnight Suns. All right. And I just like sassy, younger Magic. No, that was a definite highlight of the week. (laughs) Attila Donato wants to know, where is Shesheu? Who? Shesheu. Who I I did not know who that was. Honestly, I Googled them and they are a mutant that was introduced in 2008 and they've only had a handful of appearances since. I don't know where they are. And I feel like that's, you know, it's part of the conversation as we're talking about mm-hmm. new mutants being introduced. Everyone wants to have their own, leave their own mark, create a new character, add to the lore. But then often those characters get left by the wayside. They don't necessarily get picked up by another creator. Was this mutant tied to any of the books that were out or any no, of the characters no, no, or storylines it's just a general seen. like hey they haven't shown up on krakoa where they at right got it reads reads calling it out dark web order of quality 
Number one, X-Men number two. Yes. Number two, Venom. Number three, Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, snap. Would you? Why? Well, I don't know how I feel because I felt like Venom was titled Venom but felt more like a Hollow's Eve book to me. Really? Narrated by Hollow's Eve the whole time. Yeah, but mostly featuring Venom. Okay. Well... But also, that's not... We are not, allowed that's to not, disagree. Yeah, no, that's fine. But that's not what we're talking about. You know, like, who was the title character versus who was the... Right? right what but like was the content. better quality of issue? And I, I would honestly agree with that. I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man for the art and the fight, but not a lot happened versus mm. the reveal of Ben's plan. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, calm down. Pete Woods, 86, wants to know what we think Tony's role will be in the future of X-Books following this solicit released by Marvel. Oh, God. In the months ahead, this will cause the trajectory of Iron Man's superhero career to change radically. And in the process, he'll evolve into one of mutant kind's staunchest allies. The X-Men will need his genius intellect more than ever as Krakoa braces itself for the fall of X. The upcoming story arc is set to upend mutant kind's current status quo, and Invincible Iron Man will play a key role. Ew. <laughs> Listen, Warlion sent me something today that was like talking about Invincible Iron Man, and the whole reason it seemed from the post he sent was that Iron Man is losing his money and he needs Emma to yeah, help basically. run his business. Well, so what is that? So, ew. So, Tony, you're falling apart and Emma's going to come save you and then you're going to come over and be like, oh, I have everything you need, X-Men. Get away from me. You're replacing one arrogant butt face with another. Goodbye, Charles Xavier. Hello, Tony Stark. <laughs> well, I, think, I think there are some vast differences between those two characters. Oh, for sure. And I think that Emma being the expert businesswoman that she is sees this as an opportunity to create inroads with the Avengers team. But yeah, mm -hmm. I also was talking to Warline about this and seeing that they're going to need, Tony is going to need a, a bankroll backing mm -hmm. to be able to reclaim what has been stolen from him by Phalong. That seems to be under the control of Phalong Industries. Yeah. And Orcus. I mean, that's interesting. Like when you were reading that solicit, I was like, hmm, that's interesting because I did think the dynamic between Tony and the X-Men in AXE was interesting and the way yeah. they like work together to kind of like solve problems and and all of that. So that could kind of be an interesting storyline. But I don't like that the feeling that I got from that solicit was that the X-Men or Krakoa needs Iron Man to save them. Well, I think there's the tease of the Stark Sentinels that we talked about last issue, mm -hmm. last episode. And what that means for them. There's also the inroads that Emma's building with now Iron Man and Captain America. Right. And seeing both of them on that Unity-esque image for Free Comic Book Day. Mm -hmm. And how that's going to tie into what the future of both Mutant Kind and Marvel are going to be. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't see it as a, a negative thing. I don't know that they're necessarily going to need Tony. I mean, we have Forge, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But Tony does Tony and Forge playing off of each other, bringing in a the the two of the three top tier Avengers. Listen, is Jerry going to write Tony? There are some thoughts that Jerry he had previously written 
un, uh, the Unity Squad, the Uncanny Avengers. If Jerry writes Tony, maybe I'll like him. Well, he's also writing Invincible <laughs> Iron Man, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so he then, is, so he he is he writing is him. Writing him. So let me read that and then I'll see how I feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's here. We have issue one. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Marvel Voices number 31. All right. Let's talk about it. The Which Snicked it, family. The Snicked. The family Snicked. I, five. I got to say, I really thought, I mean, first of all, it was a super quick read. Super oh, yeah. easy peasy. Well, you know, when you have talking animals that don't say a whole lot. I really liked getting to see the journey of where Jonathan has gotten himself yeah. from his perspective. And then this big reveal that this family who seemed, oh, no, my child is lost. Suddenly they're funding this whole place where... All of like these, a Wolverine museum. Yeah, like they've got artifacts of Wolverines. Like they've got clawed gloves. They've got what looked like a lock of hair. Yeah, like his Weapon X helmet. Yeah, just chilling in their little trophy room. And now they have this Nicked family trap that it's up to Jonathan to save the day. Right. This was like, this was confusing in that it was adorable that you have this animal-led adventure, but also some really dark things revealed that this family has a deeper plot connection to likely some other human mutant hating organization mm -hmm. that they are but isn't that just the best thing that the snicked family could have happened to them on a vacation right is that they could get captured and have to fight their way out but that's also, the best vacation they could ask for. How you capturing all them claws? Yeah, I, that. Yeah, how did they? Do, let me show you. It's in the basement. Suddenly, you're all tied up. Confused. Knockout gas. Like, How'd you get there? Yeah, you can't heal from that. Yeah. No, this is this is fun. Written by Stephanie Williams, art by Alan Robinson, colors KJ Diaz, letters Joseph Bino. VCs Joseph Bino. To be continued at the end. That was oh. issue five, not to be concluded. So oh. we've got a couple more left. Oh, that's my bad. I said issue six earlier. Oh. Must have been a typo in my notes. Yeah, it must have been. Well, how about that uh, X-Men Unlimited number 67? Nightmare, not Dark Beast. Nightmare. I thought it was Dark Beast last week. This Basically, Nightmare was behind this whole thing. Yeah. But now Charles is like, well, I'm going to save the mutants of the multiverse and yeah. build a gate to multiple dimensions. Uh, he basically took Sinister and Apocalypse's plan and flipped it on its head. Yeah. And he's, I'm going to do it, but better. I love this psychic triggering of his defenders of Emma, Jean, and Rachel coming in mm -hmm. to, to save him. The X-Men are an idea, and ideas never die. Yeah, and the women are here to save the day. Right. This hangout session in the broken baths with Logan, <laughs> talking about the scope of vision, the fact that Charles now feels as though he can dream again and try to save the mutants of the multiverse as we get our ending tease where they plant a gate in the Age of Apocalypse universe. Is travel across multiverses possible? Seems like it is. That's a huge thing to come in a Marvel Unlimited issue. Well, the Marvel Unlimited issues have been very integral to the story. Like, even though they're offshoots and they don't necessarily affect the narrative, they do affect the world. Yeah, they do introduce new concepts, mm -hmm. new things. The fact that we're coming back to X-Men Green in the next issue of Marvel Unlimited. Thank goodness, because what Unlimited? have those, those crazy peeps been up to? Who knows? 
This was written by Jordan Blum with art by Salva Espin, colors by Israel Silva, letters Joe Sabino again, Mr. Sabino. This is Joe Sabino. Are we ready to saunter on to the physical books? Extreme X-Men. Number two, the throwback series with that sneaky Ogun surrounding Wolverine. Is this is a high level overview? Yes, it is. Okay. We'll give it a mini page turn noise. Things Get Bad. Written by Chris Claremont. Art by Salvador Loraca. Colors Guru EFX. Letters Clayton Coles. And production. Letters and production Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Salvador Loraca and Guru EFX on the cover as well. We're inside Kitty's head. As Ogun and and Rachel are both getting a lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Trying to save their girl. Or at least Rachel's girl. Yeah, I like that, you know, Rachel's being referred to as young Phoenix in this story. And (laughs) my biggest question of the first like few pages, right? So like Ro was like, let Rachel in, let her explore, let her see what's going on. And you get all these this like labyrinth maze of Kitty's mind. Who is this old man she is kissing? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's the only thing in color. Like what is going on? Who is that man? It seems to be something that Ogun is manipulating, a memory that he's manipulating. Well, I don't like it. Right, because it's one of the few things that are in color as well as his appearance in the firefighter later on. Mm-hmm. Which, I won't get too nitpicky, but we start out seeing this person and they're like, oh, He's inside a medic, and then he jumps to a firefighter, but they're the same. I mean, granted, I know firefighters are also trained EMTs, and they flip-flop roles. I know this because of my brother, but just saying. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But basically... He traps Wolverine. He's using Wolverine's love for Kitty against him and playing on the fact that he'll jump in to save her and and we tie in explicitly to the group that was introduced last issue what the purity yes protests yes and gambit wants in on the action and it's good because kitty doesn't know a lot about gambit so right so ogun Ogun doesn't doesn't know know a lot about gambit gambit's also got friends that rogue wants to save and we add in another side plot are these the kids i don't think so gambit Gambit issue i don't think so but maybe or at least maybe like the same order Mm. because i was like who are these people but gambit and roe both know them so Ogun's next host of fire. Mm. Located, fought, and pursued by Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Could it be a trap for her? Maybe so. I love the idea of a mutant firefighter that can control fire. I do love that. And then when Ogun's in his head for a moment, he's like, oh no, I need to absorb all the fire. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And now this, in the classic case of human hypocrisy, the purity group has a super powered person who they are sending in. Gotta fight fire to with fire. You fight know? Sage and Bishop. Beastie Brute versus Bishop and Sage. This is not Beastie Brute's first appearance. They okay. appeared in Wolverine, Red, White, and 
blood white black and red i don't know the, yep, thing, the blood one the blood anthology series with wolverine and was also created by claremont and LaRocca. all right the creative team on this issue well either way he really is kicking their butts and it seems as though he has killed them but we know that's not true that can't be true because it's sage and bishop and they're gonna come they're back. not dead and resurrection's not a thing yet yeah so uh, well it's a thing just not not in the way we know yeah it. it's just not a machine Things get way worse next. Yeah, as the rest of the team comes in to fight Beastie Brute. I don't know. It seems like we're casting a wide net with this story. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. What do you think? I thought it was good. I, I actually, I really like diving deeper into Kitty and, Ro- and Rachel's relationship. And I think we got like a little taste of all of the characters in the book doing something, which was nice. Yeah. And I feel like I can enjoy the story for what it is and not obviously not be worried about how it affects anything else. Right. No, I think that that's one of the hallmark best qualities of issues like this. And even some of the dark web tie in stuff that we're reading is like, okay, this is fun for just what it is. Right. But not necessarily crucial for the story that we're building of Krakoa. If I'm taking... You know, we we had Patch, we had Gambit, we have Extreme X-Men. If I'm taking those and I'm ranking them, I would say this one falls in between yeah, for me. Yeah, at least so far. Yeah. Because Gambit was all heat. Yeah. Eric Hoffman said that this was some classic X-Men stuff. He likes how they're moving the story along, bringing in a lot of different plot elements. Mm. I'd agree. Yeah, it's good stuff. On to Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns number four. First of all, love the cover. I'm here for these outfits, these limbo demon outfits. Every time I see it, I like it more and more. I like the black and red motif we've got going on. Yeah, I'm also just a big fan of David Nakayama's art. Yeah, for sure. So seeing that is always a treat. Always a treat. Mini page turn noise. So listen... Agatha really has some stakes in this yeah. in this fight. You know, the more that we are learning about this story, the more that we're realizing how tied it is to this first Valtor experience that Agatha had. And yeah. there is that one witch in her coven who's held, held captive and Agatha's trying really hard to free her, but Valtor sort of gets the better of her and Karina's left with Valtor and... Yeah, she's got to go. That's the last of it. She's got to run. Hightail it out of there. Then we've got the Doctor Strange from another universe. And he's kind kind of like annoyed with... um, You know, he can only do so much for you. Right? He's like, can you guys hurry it along and get into the tower? And they're like, okay, bro. But like there's things we have to fight. Like this giant demon that apparently Clea sent. Yeah. So she still thinks they're a threat. And she's still trying to get in their way. She would know that they were going to interfere and know that that's not positive. Yeah. She doesn't like it. And for me personally... I really enjoy these moments that Magic and Wolverine are having where they're like, wow, this is like fighting a sentinel. Right. Well, and even the line from Wolverine, not bad at the leadership gig, Magic. Kate would be proud. I love that line. I literally typed the whole thing out. Right, as like right. A, Yes. Yeah, she would be. That's a girl. She would be. Nico is still having some power issues. And as we get to the end of this, 
we're we're really seeing how that is going to be a through line, I think, in the story. Yeah. But I'll get to that in a second. Basically, this they've defeated this guardian. They took him out. You know, like they do in that old movie. Have you ever seen that old movie, Star Wars? Ha 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 ha. I made a Spider-Man joke. What movie is that from? No, don't do that. Ooh. Which movie is which from? The thing that you're saying, that really old movie. The Empire Strikes Back is the movie that you're referencing. You are asking quote. me what movie Spider... That's what I was asking. Yeah, are yeah, you yeah. asking me what movie Peter is referencing? Yes. Or are you asking me what movie Peter says that in? Number two. He says it in Civil War. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. You really made me question myself for a second. <laughs> I was like, I know the answer to this. But anyway, they, they, they finally make their way to Valtor. Guess what? He's dead. It's not him. And... We have Agatha and Zoe at this mirror that they need to destroy, and turns yeah. out that yeah, Agatha's all swept up in the curse of whoever this is because it's not Valtor. They're dead in their chair. It is in fact Karina, Karina, the witch from in the which beginning. she did not. Oh, I love that. First of all, oh god, this drop-in shot of the Midnight Suns team. I also love that. The Midnight Suns don't call themselves the Midnight Suns, right, right. and Karina calls them that, and then they're like, "That's cool. Oh, that's a cool name. That's great. I think it's especially relevant with the game having recently come out. I got the game for Christmas. Haven't started playing it yet, but it's on the list. Yes. And you got the prequel novel yes, for Yes, which I'm excited to read as well. So the issue ends with the evil Karina taking Zoe's amulet, turning her into her full version of her true self, cut to Earth now, where all the heroes except Nico seem to be dead. Wanda's over here. She's dead. Our Midnight Sun's team Wiccan. is done. Wong. Wiccan is dead. We've is got... Doom? Brother Voodoo? Yeah. It's Everybody. Just, Everybody it's not dead up in looking here. good. And magic is like... She's her sto- her sword is like stuck through her and Nico is saying we're too late we're too late and so But it's also interesting to see that they're not in their armor. Right. Right? So their special armor created by the sorcerer supreme Tony but Stark. That's from Lim- that's for Limbo. They're back on Earth now. They're right. back in the real world so they don't have that armor anymore. I don't know. I think this team is going to return with this armor and and change the tide of this. Oh, so you think this is... The fact that we're existing at multiple dimensions, this is either a vision or a a alternate timeline. All right, I like that. I also think that somewhere in this final issue, Nico is going to get some new relic that is going to give her the power that she's she going to get her groove back yeah i feel like that's a big plot point in this story the midnight sun's rise is the tease for next issue it should be how nico got her groove back <laughs> nico gets her groove back this issue was written by ethan Sachs with art by luigi zaccaria the colorist is Antonio Fabella, and the letterer is VC's Joe Sabino. You mean Joe Sabino? With David Nakayama on that you mean, cover. You mean Joe Sabino? I mean VC's. Separate from VC's? Don't do this to me, okay? Enough. It's a fun switch when it's, you do the credits. Is it, though? Is it, though? On to Venom, our first dark web tie-in of the week. <sighs> again, yes. again, I think high level, but... 
still, we're, we're trying to give you a taste of what you might be missing from mm-hmm. not reading them, but also if you are reading them, what we took away from the story. Yes. So I, I like this cover. I think we had a conversation about another cover and the proportionate size of Venom versus Spider-Man. And I think this is a... This nails it. Yeah. Right. This yeah, is a the, good proportion. It was the other amazing Spider-Man issue, I think from two weeks ago, mm-hmm. must have been by J.R.J.R., that Venom looked a little sad in the face yeah. and body. Yes. This is Venom in terms of like full-on classic We Are Venom glory. Yes. Which is who they are. Indeed. Let's for give now. it a tiny little page turn noise. So basically, we're learning that throughout all of the events of Venom leading up to now, there's been some regret. Of how we got to this point, of how Venom got to this point. And so they go to Limbo in search of an answer, which leads them to Maddie and Ben, which yeah. leads them to be reverted back well, to... He's, he's trying to get to his son. Right. That's, that's the top goal. Dylan yes. is the top goal. And I, I do love this exchange between Eddie and Ben as Ben has no idea who Eddie is, yes. but feels like he should. And this chasm chasm face mm-hmm. that you see underscores the fact that ben's man- memories are manipulated he's missing a whole section a of lot himself. of himself and or peter's memories anything that made him who he is but this is the first inkling that we get this week of ben's new abilities mm. upgraded from the goo from the beyond corp or Maddie's dark magic. Or a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Where his, his spider sense, as he refers to it in ASM next, they're on the offensive rather mm-hmm. than just defensive. Right. He's able to use this to pull Eddie's sense of self and identity, which, I mean, you know, to to say, I feel like Maddie's right and Ben's going a little off the deep end mm-hmm. because he's doing unto others as he was done to himself. Right. right? right. He's... he's reverting someone back taking away their essence and i don't know who's in charge here right, right. They, they seem like they're on the Co-pilots. same side right so is it maddie's influence is it ben's influence well i think this is not maddie's first rodeo you no. know like she's been evil before and and so she knows how to temper it she knows like what's enough and what'll get her what she needs without being excessive where Ben is like, this is his first time with this amount of power, with this amount of authority over other people. He's so lost his moral compass. Yeah. And here's the deal. Maddie made a very strict binding agreement that she cannot take any direct action. One of the few things we're carrying forward from that New Mutants arc yes. is that the, the pact said no mutant shenanigans. So no you can't mutant go in the treehouse. You can't go to Krakoa. But you could potentially send in agents of evil to do whatever it is you need them to do. Yes. So Venom is going in. Enter he thinks Venom. nobody's home, but Psych Sink is there. We get a really cool fight between the two of them. It is such a cool fight. And I think the thing that's super cool about it is that Sink is taking on not only Venom's powers, but he's saying, you have this ability to control all the other symbiotes that you're not tapping into, but I can tap into it, which then lets Sink be able to control Venom and make him like punch himself in the face right. and like all of these things. So, it's just really 
next level to so this these fight. are his king and black abilities mm-hmm. these are the abilities that he's been exploring in the venom series that are now unaccessible because of the manipulations of ben's powers so somehow he he has been regressed in memory of how to do the things that he's been doing for mm-hmm. the last year or so since king and black but sink can do it and sink is using all of the powers of all of the X-Men combined. He's really loving those optic blasts. Got a little mind control going. Yeah. Well, you know, this really pushes his abilities. Mm -hmm. I think we've been pushing his abilities across the last two years and what he can do, what he's learned from those 500 years or so in the vault and what he can do when introduced to a new force. Right. So he was first in the vault stories by Hickman started to mimic some of the children's abilities Mm -hmm. and then now mimicking spider-man miles morales spider-man now venom all sorts of different abilities whoever he's around he seems to be able to mimic i i wonder if that extends to just talents right you know a human's ability to tony's ability to be a master inventor right would he have would he be able to take on captain america's super strength i think so what i thought was interesting is in this issue they say, oh, they left the strongest member of the team yeah. at home. But Their then most powerful member. In Dark Web X-Men, Cyclops there's says, the like, no, 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 but Gene, you really are the strongest. Sure. You know, you, strong will versus strong variety of power set. Or I'm just saying I thought that might have been a little quippy like. Back and forth. Back and forth. Alan Jerrier. At odds. I loved this tease of, if I could, I'd remove him from the board for you. Mistress of magic versus master of mutation. I enjoyed that tussle. Just to call Sync the master of mutation, mm. which makes sense. And then it makes me think of the high evolutionary plot thread of, he's got his blood now. What's he up to? Right. What's he going to do? And I also enjoyed getting this little bit of information about Hollow's Eve that if she, once she puts on a costume... Yeah, or a mask. a mask, then she can embody whatever that thing is. And we see a little bit of that in Spider-Man as well. But she puts on this fly mask and these wings and suddenly she can fly. Yeah. And so now that Venom is distracting Sink, we're going to send Hollow's Eve in to do the real dirty work, which is stealing this mini cerebral backup that can hold up to 10 mutants backups on it. Yeah. So this was created by Al Ewing in X-Men Red. And now further used in Al Ewing's Venom. Mm-hmm. And really, both this and Amazing Spider-Man get to the heart of Maddie's plan, what she's trying to do in getting this information. Even right. further explored in X-Men. It's just really interesting to see all three issues talking about a similar idea. Mm-hmm. Even these two non-X-Men ones and how they both explore both this fight and what else is going on. In limbo. Mm-hmm. And so Sink is like, hey, X-Men, something bad is happening. We have someone else here. So he senses Hollow's Eve, but he doesn't finish up his battle with Venom in enough time to stop her. And she is successful in bringing the drive to Maddie. Yeah. As Venom leaves the treehouse and transforms into Bedlam. I was wondering who this red version of himself is. So Bedlam is in the current run of Venom as a future iteration of 
Eddie Brock and the symbiote of what he can be, what he can become. Mm. And to see that happen here, to see basically how he becomes that version of himself as he now confronts Dylan, who I assume that Eddie still does not know who Dylan is based on the manipulations that we were introduced to at the beginning. Mm. His son is, in fact, Venom now. Right, right. That's Dylan. That's Venom classic. Oh, man. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. It's a lot, but it was fun, and it was... It definitely helped to move the story along. Like, we got to see... What I really like about the way that the Dark Web story is laid out is that we got to see this very specific action of this mission to get this drive. But we also know from the other dark web issues that Maddie has the drive and we have the choice if we want to see the in-depth version of how we got it we can read venom but otherwise we just know that it happens right you don't need to read every issue the fact that we're reading every issue i think has been a treat Mm -hmm. into getting the the full insight of what's going on but not wholly necessary no this was written by al ewing pencils by brian hitch inks by andrew curry Colors by Alex Sinclair. Letters, Clayton Coles. VCs, Clayton Coles. And that cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair. Good stuff. What'd you think? I I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I like getting to know more about Hollow's Eve. I feel like she has a good... It's interesting. It's an interesting power set. Yeah. And, and she she has a good place in the overarching The team of team. wronged. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was this was interesting. I'm a little fuzzy on the how still, but at least the why is clear, and mm-hmm. I think that this did a good job at underscoring that. It also plays up a unique power that Chasm has and how it relates to Eddie's current predicament. You know, these two issues specifically crystallized Maddie's bigger picture plans. Mm-hmm. The fight with Sync was dope and just blows out even further his ability. To call him their strongest member and the master of mutation, neither is false, but both have really cool potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be an interesting journey for Venom with, you know, I wonder how he will play going down the line in the sort of like unfolding of the end result of this battle. Because... He had Sink sort of toying with his mind a little bit, trying to tell him there's more to the story that he clearly doesn't know because something was taken from him. Mm. And now he's meeting and interacting with his son, who I feel like is going to give him another layer. And this information and Venom finding out how he's being manipulated and being used as a pawn in this overall scheme could turn him and make him, you know, fight against Ben. Yeah, I mean, he's already turned. I, I can't imagine that he's now bedlam for an unknown amount of time i don't Mm -hmm. know if that's i had read an interview with al and jerry and who's the other one uh chris cantwell and about their tie-ins and and what dark web was doing for them to allow them to play with the characters that they brought in Mm. and how this helped al get eddie venom to a new spot that he wanted him to be at. Mm. So now to have this, I, I'd imagine that we now follow Bedlam. Well, the preview cover for the next issue right. is, is it's Bedlam. Bedlam. So Warline is curious about the power levels here. How can a non-Omega psychic, quote unquote, with Ben Riley 
manipulate a god, and how can Sink defeat him? Sink says that he faced the children of the vault for centuries, but that's bull. He was defeated by them and barely escaped because of Laura's sacrifice. Well, okay, let's break that down. One, Venom went to Ben and Maddie for assistance. He had his guard so down. So he let his guard down and he thought he was he was only able to get to where he is because his trust was manipulated. If he yeah. had gone in there and it had been an attack, I think it would have been different. Also, the, the powers of Limbo has been something that we've been talking about, hinting at, and how that affects the abilities of people when they're there. Right, right. For sure, there's got to be some kind of diffusion of your power or effect on your power when you're in limbo if you're not one of the people who's sort of controlling things in limbo and then two i don't think sync was coming at it from a place of i defeated the children of the vaults i think he was coming at it from a place of i've been training for centuries like so many things have been thrown at me and i've just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger literally fighting a a villain an opponent that constantly gets stronger and improves on themselves Mm -hmm. multiple villains and opponents over the course of 500 years and venom slash eddie as he is in that moment of that fight does not have the ability to tap into his full potential of his power right so that also gives sync an advantage yeah i also just think you know the the rage monster that venom has been reverted to Mm -hmm. is going to affect him right Mike loves Mariah Carey. Venom versus Sync fight. Did you expect this at all to happen? And I did not. No. I, I wasn't even sure what the the big plan was, but to see this tie in so closely to X related activities mm-hmm. was really exciting. Yeah, and I, I really like the the way Sync was just so cool. Right. Like Venom comes in and he's like, "Oh, hey man, let's we have uh, a door tussle." Yeah, we have a door. Why are you busting through the wall? Doors are for Spider-Man. Get out of here. I'm Venom. I'm Venom. Comic Extracts asked, if Maddie can see different times, which she does reference in this issue, does she already know how this event will end? Would that knowledge drive the character betrayal we have felt since New Mutants? Hmm. So she's already making actions with this advanced knowledge that all right, I have to do these things to try and get what I want. I have to go back on my word. You know, the, the thing with limbo is that it exists outside of time and place. Right. It has this ability to the way that magic used to, especially initially in the original new mutants run, she could transport herself throughout location, but also throughout space, uh, throughout location, but also throughout time. She could show up two weeks in the past by accident when she couldn't control it. I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like we need to let go of trying to make Maddie stick to what happened in New Mutants because I don't I I, don't think she's being true to that idea that she reformed and i'm hoping that there's going to be some sort of like encounter between her and magic where magic confronts her about it and she's like haha i was just lying to you the entire time sorry magic i bested you right but i think that her peering into these different times is a is a tactic that she's using to advance her plan but i don't think that she necessarily knows the outcome of it all yeah i'd be surprised if she did especially as we read dark web x-men mm-hmm. and just see her get foiled essentially right right 
onto Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Dark our, Web. Our last high level. Let's give it. Well, first of all, I like this cover a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the Dark Web covers are really fun. Still about to work on that web. And we're going to give it a little mini page turn noise. Spider-Man versus Chasm. <laughs> this twisted memory kicking us off. Yeah. Peter's such a bad guy in Ben's mind. Yeah, really. And I mean, when you don't know what happened, what happened to yeah. you and you only know that Spider-Man has what you want, you can sort of make that, you could see how that spiraled right. into what it does become. And he led himself to this understanding that, and even even in the next couple of pages, Spider-Man calling out, you just said that your memory isn't wholly there. Right. This issue of Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man vs. Chasm is written by Zeb Wells, pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors Marcio Menez, letters Joe Caramagna. Oh, VC's Joe Caramagna? That cover, John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Menez. All right. Here's the thing. I really enjoyed this issue. I think the the art and the layouts and the the scooter... Sure, yeah. The scooter's the, the, the MVP. The scooter being thrown into this fight. I think what we needed was this fight between Ben and Peter. Like, we needed this. Yeah. We needed him to confront Peter and say, like, this is what I'm up to. It lets it breathe a little bit, and mm-hmm. it does throughout an entire issue. Like, not a whole lot happens here yes. other than this fight and the progression of what's to come with this plot to get Spider-Man to Limbo. Yes. Because they're squaring off... And we're seeing not only Spider-Man besting Chasm, but then Chasm coming back with new tricks versus the mastered old tricks. Yes. And I do like that this is that Ben keeps reiterating, when I am working, I am Chasm. Right. Like, I am not Ben right now. Right. Well, and I just feel like that goes back to his loss of identity. Mm-hmm. This, He's latching on to this new identity. This is who I am. This is all I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically the two, they get get in an all-out battle. We get a glimpse of the Hollow's Eve, Maddie, Venom situation and... More fights. Yeah, I love this image of... Oh, the split? Their split face and Peter saying, I don't want to hurt you, Ben. And and Ben saying, I can tell. Like... You're pulling back. I do like that he calls him out and says, like, you pull your punches so much you don't even know you're doing it. You can't even tap into your full potential because you won't let yourself. So that was a huge reveal in Superior Spider-Man. So that's the arc years ago when Doc Ock was in Peter Parker's body. Mm-hmm. And he discovered that Peter actually has much more strength then he lets on and he's always pulling his punches because he doesn't. He, he, otherwise, he'd just be killing people. Left right, right. Right. You think of No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Peter 3, mm-hmm. and how he became dark. He stopped pulling his Peter punches three. and he started going to a much darker place, mm-hmm. which honestly, I want to see because that's not yeah, amazing. Let's but get that also, as a movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm really intro, into the art in this book. The art was probably the highlight in my mind. And then Chasm is like, hey, Peter, look over here. Look at it's this limbo your friends. Portal. They're in limbo. Don't you want to save them? Aha, I could only trap you in limbo if you wanted to go there willingly. So now my giant octopus friend is going to take you to your new demonic daily bugle existence. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. 
there's some demons and this is Peter having to get to work in somewhat of a more classic outfit. What'd you think? I thought it was really fun and I really like seeing Chasm in action. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the art was really great. And his differences too. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really great to see. Yeah. yeah. I loved the art. I, I like letting this confrontation breathe. Like I had said, it's just, I like where we end up. Overall, the this reads like thwips and quips. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost a little popcorn esque yeah. in that there wasn't a whole lot that happened or changed. Just we set up Venom, mm-hmm. and we set up the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and we had this confrontation that we needed to have. Yes, I think it was really important, and there was because I think Peter needed to be confronted with the issue at hand here. He to, really needed to, to know see what has happened to Ben and also and what, what he ben has believes, become, right. right? And how he is self-identifying and because Peter can't make any decisions or solve the problem without understanding that. So I thought that was a really it was really important and I think you know in an event that has so many issues, if you are reading every single issue, having an issue like this that's just a breeze to read and isn't overbearing with a ton of information is important every now and then. Yeah. I also feel like if you're reading everything, it might feel unnecessary in that you're like, okay, well, what did this add to the big picture versus mm-hmm. if you're only reading The Amazing Spider-Man tie-in or The Amazing Spider-Man core and the the start and finish, then you might feel like okay this this gave me a little follow-up to the previous amazing spider-man issue mm-hmm. warline's calling out ben making fun of the great powers equaling great responsibility line mm. and how that's weird considering that he couldn't remember that line and other things about himself back when he was in the beyond era so at, towards the end of the beyond era he janine i think actually quotes great power and he, he's just like looking at her like, what, what am I supposed to say something to that? that? He, he does not have that memory anymore because it's been taken from him. But does she finish the quote? No. I don't think so. Maybe. I'm just, I plead the fifth. I have nothing to say. That's fine. It's not necessarily <laughs> a question. It's just more a point. And I think it's interesting because, he, and, and what Warline's bringing up is that that is a major driving motivation for Ben is Mm -hmm. that there are things in his mind that are missing. So something that was previously missing now seems to, and maybe, you know, he found out the line or he he read some old issues of Spider-Man and he saw Aunt May say it, or I don't, I don't know, but it's just silly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more, it's less about the specificity of him remembering that line. And it's more about him saying, I'm not you and I'm acknowledging that I'm not you and I'm acknowledging that I have this power and I can do whatever I want with what it am. because I'm not you. And everyone's made it very clear to me that I'm not you. I'm yep. not Spider-Man. So who am I and what can I do with my power? Because I don't have to be responsible for anybody else and I don't have to take care of people. That's on you. I'm I'm forging my own path. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was one part where he just kind of walks away from MJ almost getting killed by Queen Goblin. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's not my responsibility. Not yeah, my problem. Not my problem. Not my redhead, not my problem. <laughs> On to our final three, our X books of the week. Ooh. New Mutants number 33. All right, so hold up. Yeah. The end of an era. This Who will reads, survive? 
this reads like the last issue of New Mutants. It does. Which it, seems kind of unceremonious and not really explicitly stated except with this note and then the fact that the Lethal Legion mini is teased at the end of this issue. Yes, and this cover leads you to believe that somehow the rest of the New Mutants are going to be involved in this story. Or someone's going to die. Yeah. Neither happened. Yeah. And I think, I feel as though this story was, even this issue, like, I was really enjoying it, and then it got wrapped up really quickly at the end, and I am kind of confused, and I'm hoping that you can explain it to me a little bit. I mean, I I feel similarly, not to get into the end before we get into the beginning. It's just one thing that I'm confused about. Sure. And I'll bring it up when we get there. All right. But it does feel like the ending... With Destiny and Emma, like the conversation they have is like a little wrap up of we've done this because we need to set you up for whatever's next. Yep. And so I guess in that sense, it's an end of an era, but it didn't feel like, oh, my God, the new mutants are no more. No. Yeah. It's, it's very confusing. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here we go. New mutants, page, turn, noise. We're fearing Morgan's demise. We're here. We're on the roof. We're, we're in this kind of big character point that's been driving these two and their relationship. This vision that Sheila has gotten since their first introduction in Voices Pride. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Sheila's sort of changed tunes, saying, you know, you said that... Morgan, you said that everyone who kind of obsesses over their visions or their, these premonitions makes them happen. And I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that I'm the strongest I've ever been right now. I did a double swap. Yeah, yeah. And she's getting better control right. over her powers. I'm going to solve this issue. So. And this flashback to Sarabella ripping her out. Yes. Sarabella's mad at her. And then Sarabella is. Now cut to the U-Men coming and Sarabella having this moment where she doesn't think she can hold the illusion any longer. Yeah. Sarabella and Leo Aang are trying to keep it together, fighting off the U-Men. But then something happens that we maybe forgot was going to happen as this double switch yes. unswitches. Yes. Sarabella and Sheila never actually switched back back right and so now you have someone who is no longer a telepath or uh, able to keep up the fight which i don't fully understand because both of them were appearing to the other person as themselves so how can they be switched like if they were not correctly switched wouldn't morgan have been interacting with sarabella arguably in yes. but sheila in sarabella's yep. body yep and yes. vice versa. At least to how it's been otherwise established. So point A, I'm confused. So I'm confused on two things. That's point A. But does I'm, that now now yeah, that we're talking I, about it, it's like, okay, I, I, maybe that's a mistake or maybe that's just. Maybe because the, of the double swap. powers are I, weird. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's explained, but I think it's an interesting element of the plot. So I'm not mad at it, yeah. you know, to have this surprise like, oh, snap, we never actually switched back. And now I'm in this position where I don't have the powers that were essentially letting us win this fight. Hey, it's a title page. The Sublime Saga. Part three, Let It Burn. 
written by Charlie Jane Anders, art by Alberto Albuquerque with Rose Stein and Ted Brandt on the Young Sheila and Morgan cartoon, colors by Carlos Lopez with Tamara Bonvillain on the Young Sheila and Morgan, and letters and production Travis Lanham. VCs Travis Lanham. The cover by Rafael de la Torre and David Curiel. All right. We're getting a deeper dive into that Cerebella journal. Yeah, I like these. I think as much of a focus as these three issues have been about Sheila and Morgan, they've also done a lot to step up Cerebella after a, a pretty much untended to plot thread of her coming into her own body. Mm-hmm. So just getting into the inner workings of her mind and, and really understanding how she feels about what's happened to her. And everything that she's writing about in these journal entries is really centered around like a couple of key events, right? So she's talking about being grateful for Storm's acknowledgement that they should have done something sooner. Then she talks about, I don't really think anybody has good intentions because even if you have good intentions, they end up being bad. And then the last one that really was like a stab in the heart for me. Yeah. If you could turn back in time, what would you tell your younger self? When she says run faster, like that's because none of this would have happened. You wouldn't have gotten captured by the right. human. You wouldn't have been through all of these things if you had just run faster. Yeah. You get people that have your back and get out of there. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sublime is here and he's. He's creeping in on Wolfsbane, creeping on his plans. Yeah, so Rain had been left in here looking at this map of Krakoa as we were trying to understand. I love that. Not only is it the map, but on this image, we actually have the labels of the different places. So they have the arena. They have Arbor Magna. They have the transit. I'm able to zoom in on all of the House of X, the cradle. Like This is not stuff that they would otherwise have access to if they didn't have someone on the inside. So that's something that I don't think we get answered is where are they getting all their intel? Right. And Wolfsbane goes full wolf. and Multiple wolves. While this is happening, Sublime is just monologuing his evil plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like there's a couple instances of evil plan monologuing uh, the next in yes, our next issue, yes. but yeah, it's classic. It's classic bad guys doing bad guy stuff. Yes, and Sublime is taking down Wolfsbane. It is not looking good for her. And Sarabella and Morgan are here to stop Smash. this. Put a put a put an end to this. Somehow we found a metal baseball bat on the way, and we're gonna smash this little brain ball and unimpressed like, haha don't care i can make another one and i'm gonna besides, go get my mutant drugs i don't even really care that much about you because i'm interested in someone else's powers anyway i really would like to take sheila and make crazy evil plans with her here's i'm not trying to pick apart new mutants i just had a couple of like Sticking points. Sticking, like, head turn, like, what moments? What's up? So in this moment, he's saying, there's this other mutant, and she can swap places with people. And he's saying that he wants Sheila's powers. But in the previous issue, he thought that she was a reality manipulator. Yeah. So I don't know. Where did he get his Like, additional... where did he get his information? Was it because of the one you man who Swap was places. swapped and is like, no, Sublime, this is what happened? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
That's a good point. That's a good question. I know you can read, Fred. You can see that this is dangerous and flammable gas as there's guns going off and an explosion happening. Yeah, I can read, but I'm not Fred because I'm Sheila, Sheila. now getting stomped on. I'm swa- I'm swapping. Yeah, I don't know. So this this again brings us to your question earlier of okay, so this guy is seeing Sheila still as right. he's stepping on them. Right. So is it just because Morgan and Sheila know each other so well and and Sheila said to Morgan, "No, I'm I'm Sheila now." Or like what was Morgan seeing? I don't seeing? know. Yeah. Were we only seeing it for the easeability of right, the story? Right, for our brains. Yeah. But Sheila is going all diehard on this base <laughs> and just meets up with Sublime. Bringing who, herself right to the uh, man who wants her. This, these next couple pages Ooh. are like super creepy. The way that the like imagery just gets dark, darker, and shadowy. And the close-up of the... Of the collar being put on, yeah, and ju- just the like the delicate nature that he's talking to her with. Uh, yeah, ju- like with, with the image with him with his hand on her shoulder and he's yeah. like leaning in close to her. It really like gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and just googling Sublime's abilities to just get a sense of maybe that's why. Uh, so possession sublime can possess the body of most any known bionic organism mental manipulation perform mass mind control on multiple hosts at once being able to not only control so that's what we've been seeing in marauders Mm -hmm. biokinesis having a sentient living bacteria the sublime entity can as a whole manipulate the very cellular and genetic structure of whomever or whatever organic entities they're host to including shape-shifting, regenerative healing factors, and power enhancement. I'm just trying to understand, you know, even how he seems to know that Sheila is trans and immune. Right. Which, you know, it just seems like Sublime is getting information somewhere, somehow, right. that we're not privy to. To know she's a mutant, one thing. Yeah, that's, to that's a read. To know she's trans, who told you that? Right. How do you know that? Data page. Mm-hmm. This is following up on, I believe it was last issue. Yes, Morgan's email. Morgan's email. And I love I love that she calls Morgan out like, oh, you, you just said yes. And then you sent me this, this spicy email after <laughs> I walked out of the room. Like, just stand up for yourself. We're a demonocracy. <laughs> uh, creepy red shadow area as the new news and Wolfsbane come in to save the day. So Sublime's got this thing. It's called Kick, and it's going to make you basically do whatever he wants. And he's going to let it loose and take over Sheila. So I'm assuming that this is pretty much like what the Marauders are dealing with as far as like what's infecting them, right? Uh, No, the Marauders are dealing with Sublime in his abilities. Kick was something that it's a drug. It's aerosol used by... People to attain a boost in their superhuman mutant powers and a mental high. So maybe that's what he's using. But it also gives some ability of control to Sublime. Mm. It was believed that the kick was neurotoxic and could irreparably damage the X gene. It's highly addictive. So as a that's insane. 
as a as a side note, during this whole very intense moment where we're about to unleash the kick, we get a young Sheila and Morgan where Sheila is upset because someone called her a boy and Morgan is like, well, somebody called me a mutie. And, you know, they're like, they've got each other's back. And I just love the... Sometimes I think there's a brood queen under my bed. Yeah. There isn't. I checked. Love it. Just a cute little quip. Cute little quip as we then get to the fact that, oh, no, my drugs are chocolate mousse because that's Morgan's ridiculous power. Morgan is like, listen, I a while ago, as soon as you mentioned it, while everyone was given all this hubbub and evil planning, I decided might be a good idea for me to change that to chocolate mousse. Yeah. Charlie Jane Anders had one idea for a really great power and one idea for like a other power. It's like like the poop power, the poop ice cream power. Sure. But that's (laughs) never been said on panel. (laughs) Yeah. Soft serve has only been in the background. (laughs) They're fighting off with this intense psychic blast as Sublime makes a getaway with Sheila. Escapade. Yes. And this is where... My confusion kicks in. Kicks. Okay. So Sublime has Sheila. Yep. He's running away with her. Yep. She tries to break free. She starts to fall off the roof. She's actually thrown because they both are overwhelmed by the psychic attack that's unfocused, just kind of generally attacking at them. And she she falls off the roof. This is her vision coming to But then truth. she switches with Morgan? That's, and then she switches no. back? I think that what she sees in this top panel is actually her fear, the vision that she was shown from Destiny that she would switch with Morgan in this moment. But she didn't. But instead, she doesn't, and she just accepts this as her fate and understands maybe I'll come back because Krakoa, I've been on Krakoa, I probably have Cerebro back up. Some guy stabbed me with a needle when I was there. So maybe they have my genes. Mm-hmm. And then the end is that, no, the, the team, the people that have your back, essentially what Cerebello was talking about in her journal entry, they're going to save you here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to die. You're not going to kill Morgan. We're actually going to grab you with Leo Ang's abilities and this team up of just saving you off to the side as we then talk about time archer (laughs) because we have to and some secrets of the u-men that we'll uncover later on this does i mean this does a good job at furthering the u-men saying hey this is what we're up to this is what we're doing and then putting them back on the shelf Mm -hmm. that just seems to be a constant thing you know we're, we're building up the heavy bads in the background, mm-hmm. the science machine. Right. Something, something's coming. And then we get this little tidbit of information that Destiny and Emma were in on this from the start. They essentially showed Sheila what they needed Sheila to see so that she would they take could action. get her primed and ready for where she needs to be going forward. Right. So they have the ability to, uh, first of all, I just want to say this is the team up, you know, mm-hmm. Emma having resisted it in Inferno, but the fact that they're just hanging out, drinking drinks, mm-hmm. and just laughing about what's going on with all the kids on yes. Krakoa. Silly kids. Like, where even are they? 
I don't know. This is in a city. Look in the background of this window. Yeah. High rises. They're just at Emma's high rise apartment. And <laughs> Destiny has been fed Yoda quotes oh my from Mystique. God. That is amazing. That was so I good. That was, what did she think? It was a German? German philosopher. And Destiny still doesn't think that Sheila's quite ready for what's about to come. Something again that we don't know. I mean, this has been teased in X-Men, mm-hmm. right? In year one of X-Men, the Gambit and Rogue meeting up with Destiny issue where there's something about to happen and Rogue needs to be by her side when it does. Mm-hmm. Our tease for the next issue is actually Charlie Jane Anders Anid Balam, March 2023, New Mutants, Lethal Legion, number one. The cover that was revealed, I think, last week, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Whew. What'd you think? Overall thoughts, I would say that this was a good conclusion to this story. The team made it through. They escaped. They didn't completely defeat Sublime. So he's still, he's still around. The U-Men are still there. But this team... I think did what they needed to do in that the new new mutants got themselves some experience yep. and had some team bonding and acknowledged their own strength and their power and it took them to the next level of being ready to to take on something else or to at least have a little bit more confidence in that. And I think Sheila is solidifying her place in Krakoa and Morgan is becoming more open to the idea of Krakoa as a whole. And mm-hmm. I think those are good steps to move the story forward. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fine. You know, it was mm-hmm. nothing too crazy. We wrapped up our story and we seemingly end the series, which I don't understand why we made such a big deal for a rebranded new team to then last only three issues. Yeah, I thought that was a little confusing. Uh, the U men again are not dealt with, but I do I do like these two characters, Morgan and Sheila. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this was a fun exploration into their distrust of Krakoa because that's a point of view that we don't see a whole lot of. We only saw you know, with villains, really, and they right. even call themselves supervillains, right? Multiple times throughout. I'm curious to see where this goes next, where these characters go next, where. This So it is the same writer into Lethal Legion. Charlie Jane Anders is mm-hmm. going from this to Lethal Legion. And I guess this is now done. I feel like I hear what you're saying, but I also feel that there has been a lot of community vocalization of the fact that New Mutants is a title that kind of bops around everywhere. And who really knows who the new mutants are. So I feel like ending this and starting a new title isn't a way of saying the new mutants don't exist. It's just a way of them saying we're going to focus it into this other kind of story. And that doesn't mean that new mutants as a title could never come back. But it's it's gone in a lot of different directions over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. I so, mean, from the start, it's been the, the most changed hands mm-hmm. title. So I think ending that and then saying we're still going to keep with a trajectory of bopping around but we're going to do it under a different title like maybe makes I just would have sense. rather had it end with Vita's run and then launched this Morgan and Sheila story as its own mm-hmm, thing like a mini. Then, which the Lethal Legion is a mini it's mm-hmm. a five issue mini so it just feels like we wanted to ride the high of what Vita was doing with New Mutants to then usher in these two new characters and then 
kind of tease what is the next story, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this next story. You yeah, know? me either. Just, there's a bunch of bad guys in the background. Mm. Eric Huffman is equally as surprised as I was that it seems that the New Mutants is ending after just three issues with this new creative team. He's not sure how he feels about it and wants the new New Mutants to have more time for growth. And they'll definitely have some more time for growth, at least some of them that'll carry on into this Lethal Legion mini. Mm-hmm. But the the clarity of, is this the end of their story or are they kind of drifting into the background to then maybe show up in some other area or other way? I think that, yeah. I think they're not going away. I think they're just revisiting what the New Mutants title would have been, revisiting how these stories are going to be told. But I don't think that they would have done all this work to set up these characters to have them just disappear like that. I don't know. It it does happen. I know, but I just want to say I don't think it's going to happen. Sure. Well, I mean, in comic extracts, Daniel definitely agrees. He, He really hopes that... Sheila and Morgan stick around because they're an instant classic for him. No Mm -hmm. other newly introduced mutants in the Krakoan era have been as well developed and set up as they have. Vita Ayala and Charlie Jane Anders have done beautiful and touching character work in these few issues. Can't wait to see who they become and how they mature in the years to come. I hope writers continue to build on them and work with them to reach what I see as amazing potential. Mm. Yeah, I thought that the fact that they come in with a very unique perspective on Krakoa helps give them a lens that could be furthered. I agree, yeah. The only other, and I was trying to think of, okay, who are some other recent introduced, recently introduced mutants that have stuck around or made an impact or been picked up by other creators? Cosmar mm. had a really great personal motivation for her distrust of Krakoa and the resurrection protocols and the fact that she could not gain access to crucible for her herself. And I felt like that was commenting on a very unique aspect. Um, The other one that recently came to mind was curse. Mm -hmm. Curse was only created in the background, I think uh, in Marauders number one, and then slowly popped up in X-Men green and yeah, Yeah. infinity comics. And, but it's, it's interesting. The, the one, what is their name? Carmen mm-hmm. uh, from Children of the Atom has not been seen since. Oh, right. And that was... She was invited by Storm. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a, a much ado about nothing. Uh, but still on the table for something else to happen. I don't know what Vita is currently working on. And that's a, a question that I have for a couple of creators that we haven't seen any official announcements come up. But we do have new titles that have yet to be announced for 2023. Mm, you never know, really. You never do. Like, I'm wondering what Leah's doing next as yeah. we're about to talk about Exterminators Nord 4. She better be doing something. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I was just, I don't want this to end. Me either. Not even a little bit. We got our Halloween team ready for some spooky action. <laughs> I like the, the double. Yeah, yeah. Image. We've got them in their regular looks. We've got them in these ridiculous costumes. Loving a Federico Vincentini cover. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Exterminators number four. Page turn noise. Into the private collection of Alex the Creep. Mm-hmm. As we can't have these barriers between us. You can't be 
putting up the clothing racks around the, the bathroom because I don't know what you're doing back there. Yeah. It's kind of gross. It's, He's it is. kind of disgusting. I mean, I mean, the fact that he has a harem of women captured as his collection and a bunch of fun outfits for them to try out. No, he's a super creep. And he seems to have created a business of being a super creep. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's cut. Let's, before we get into that, let's just talk about our, our title page here. Trapped on a pedestal. This is your favorite book now, isn't it? Be honest. Yes. No, it's not. It's it's not, it's but it's not it's, X-Men Red, but it's it not is X-Men Red good. Not a book that I want to go away. No, it is definitely in the top ranking of books. Yes. Written by Leah Williams, art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Brian Valenza, letters and production, Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. That cover Federico Vicentini and Matt Miller as we call out this guy and I his mean, pee fetish. Listen, seeing the post the other day yes. of Leah's screenshot of the pee page was approved. Yeah, Jordan D. White. I love it. Saying that the pee page has been approved. So this has to go through censors. People at the Marvel higher ups have to be like, yes, we will publish this in a book. <laughs> and it does say mature audiences. It you, does you say mature audiences. <laughs> and this is what I like about this group of lady friends is one of them says something and they all yes and it yeah they all are like yeah you disgusting you pee, you like you pee piss you baby pee pee boy you want to see everybody pee <laughs> you're nasty i saw all right to, to say the other side i saw so many people in some facebook groups cry about this page why just because they're like oh what is this this is an x-men comics this is it's it's literally one page and it's funny it and is it's funny. And it's calling out a very odd thing. And it's all constructed, right? Right. You know, the fact that you have this intro of, no, I need to be able to see everyone in my collection. You can't you can't hide. Oh, no, they're going to take this and flip it on you, the villain. Right. And then this back and forth between, well, like, you're you're horrible. Like, you kidnapped us, bro. Yeah. You kidnapped us. And then you, you, you put us in a murder game. And then you trafficked us. Right. And now you're watching us change and pee. You're the disgusting one. Yeah. And I feel like he deserved to be called out. Yeah, yeah, And. Yeah, it was funny. I it, thought it was so funny. Yeah. I think it's great. I love it. Little baby loves pee. I mean, this entire book, like, they spent an entire two pages talking about butts. Like, that's what this book is. Yeah. If you got to this point in Exterminators and you're upset by that, I'm confused about what book you've been reading. Right, right. Are you not (laughs) enjoying the entire series? Yeah. As Dazzler makes a threat for revenge. Yeah, she's coming for you. And he's like, ha ha ha, you can't get out of here because you have to do A, B, C, and D in order to escape. Yes, I'm going to villain monologue and give you not only my backstory, the ways that I ran from the Vampire Nation and into the Collector's Arms and Collection, but also the fact that I have all these things here and you would need to have the Quantum Gauntlets to be able to do anything that you want. <laughs> I am evil. Look at me. And they're like, okay, silly right, pee boy, we're going to explode your toilets. How about that? Yeah, right. But first, but first, we're going to give Laura some crap about her stink. Laura, you smell bad. How you long have like you been dad. in that outfit? Change and put on this silly little witch costume. Don't forget your hat. Right. I, just, I love the snicked stank. 
Yes. That snicked stank. Yeah. You smell like your dad. Yeah. The fact that, that, that was a good line. You you regenerate your, your skin cells so you don't need to worry about what's going on or what you smell or look it's like. It's not you that smells. It's your suit. Yeah. Right. How long have you been wearing that thing? Take it off. As Dazzler's getting some context clues, but not revealing the hand that she has. She's like, wait a minute. There's toilets. There's Was there showers. water? There's, there's drains. Uh, there's there's, there's got to be some kind of septic system. They haven't, for some reason, they haven't given us inhibitor collars, even though everyone seems to have them. <laughs> like, you're a collector. You have to have some of them. But I feel like that's part of the, like, we built this enclosure that you can't escape from because we want to see you try. We sure. want to see you use your powers. That's what makes having you as a collection cool. On top of the gross things that we're doing by just watching you 24-7. Right. But boom, boom, put your little poop bombs yeah. in the toilet and explode that. With her freshly done makeup from Jubilee. Mm-hmm. I love when her and Jubilee see each other and they're oh, like, they swap oh, outfits. let me switch outfits with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, It's just the, the asides, like to have a panel of that that, you know, that's just silly fun. Right. And Boom Boom and Jubilee especially are often compared or contrasted to each other. They both came up around the same time. They're both kind of like 90s mall rats. Interesting. Uh, different personalities, but often a lot of the same millennial type influences. Ah, I was going to say from from seeing the beginnings of Jubilee and then seeing the beginnings of Boom Boom, I don't think they're similar at all, but. I understand power set wise and I guess like culture. Culture. Yeah. But it's working. They've they've created chaos and they're going to get out and they're going to use the, what do they keep referring them to them? Cosmic condoms. Yeah. They're going to use the cosmic condoms. They need to find the cosmic condoms. Did you see, so they, they flush the bombs. Yes. Right? Did you see the, the beautiful lettering job? Bathroom. <laughs> on this bottom panel, it's bathroom. It's bathroom, but spelt bathroom. out as onomatopoeia. I love it. Genius. That is amazing. Hats, Alex, hats your off pets. to Travis Lanham. Yes. Alex, your pets have exploded the septic system. They're going and they're taking everybody with them. This way, everyone, the pointy hatted cute witch is leading us towards our safe exit. Yeah. And some quick figuring out of this jailbreak, the setup of what we have. We don't, we need the cosmic condoms, but we also have the location of Krakoa saved in the memory. Good thing we can just hop to that. But watch out, because it's game day. I thought this was so ironic. We this were is just, so ironic. We were just talking about how crucial baseball was to the history of the x-men so people who uh are not patreon subscribers one day we were having this conversation on patreon and justin used his baseball reference again inside baseball and i was like you and your baseball reference and that's when he blew my mind by saying i make this reference because baseball is so integral to the x-men they're always playing baseball and then he googled x-men baseball or something like that and there's all these instances of the x-men playing baseball and my brain exploded because i just thought he was just making a sports reference for the sake of making a sports reference it hits, and then it hits on multiple levels right and then as soon as we have that conversation 
I have not seen the X-Men play baseball once They've in never, Krakow and They have Comics. not. And as soon as we have that conversation, boom, here they are playing baseball. Mutant ball. I do love this this game of baseball, too. I like how all of the characters have their little quirks. I like how Remy has taken his shirt off. I like how Rogue squeezes a juice box in his face and says, these are for the kids. Yeah. Emma and the Cuckoos are just watching. And then the Exterminators team is just dropped in on the field with all their little stowaways. This one call out of Doug, you did not warn me of this baseball tradition or it's this isn't tradition. This is chaos. I see. They have not been able to understand each other previously. Mm. Comic Extracts makes that as a point. Is this an oversight or was there a development? Because they dug a key point of them meeting was like, I I can't understand what she's saying. Why can't I understand? I can understand everyone except for Bay. Yeah, I think that might have been an oversight. Which is interesting to point out. Yeah, for sure. As Emma gives Dazzler shade for wearing a cheerleader outfit to a pickup game. Oh my God. She's like, it's a little much, Dazzler. You embarrass me. Uh, Well, it's good to be home, Emma. Let the powers loose as we hit a strike into the teleportation portal. Um, A strike is not a good thing in baseball. Yeah, so what? But it's great in bowling. I do love that. That just... Adds to the awesomeness. Now, here's my question, okay? This this got me heated, okay? And it's not so much heated at the writing. It's more like at Krakoa, which I guess it could go either way. But Logan comes up to Laura and he's like, hey, kid, listen, um, we got to take you guys in for questioning. We're going to cuff you. It's better if you just come with us because Vampire Nation is pretty upset and they say you did these things so we need to bring you into the council and have a talking to you what about krakoan amnesty what about the idea that you don't you're not the authority if you're not krakoa why is the initial reaction that the vampire nation is mad and they say that these mutants did something so they're going to put them in cuffs? I can understand the questioning, but it's the handcuffs for me. That's I think it's a the handcuffs. Extreme. I think it's the handcuffs because there's a lot of unknown, right? So you don't know, are these mutants possessed? Are they on some kind of rampage where they're going to rebel? The fact that Lori even says, "I could kill everyone here in 30 seconds with these cuffs on. This does nothing." And and Wolverine's like smirking proud of that. Yeah, I know, right? kiddo. So I know. I think it's more to put the vampire nation at ease, so that hey, yes, these these terrible women that have done all of these things are restrained and subdued. But also, Beast and Colossus in X Force when he had the the parade of bringing Colossus back. And, and questioning him as a war criminal with connections to Russia. And mm-hmm. he made him put on Krakoan cuffs mm-hmm. to bring him in. Right. So when when they bring in their own, they're still doing the, the pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. of this. But I would agree that there's some gray area about where Krakoan amnesty ends. Is the vampire nation actually a nation? Do right. They Are have... they just a group? Right. Right. Do they recognize Krakoan amnesty or? Mm. But either way, Dracula is PO'd. He's like, you killed people, okay? And they're like, yeah, they attacked us first. And he's like, well, what about all the people in the audience? And I love the point of, well, 
weren't those all people who kind of defected from you and were wanted anyway? So didn't we do you a favor? Yeah, Jubilee comes through with the loophole in this council meeting as they're all still in their Krakoan cuffs in the center of the council. And Dracula's like, ah, all right. And we get a, another great use of data page. I didn't say it before, but I loved that data page. Oh, the, the baseball. Fact that the flyer. Yeah. All of these flyers have been data pages. The the show that the collector was putting on mm-hmm. from his new collection, this wanted poster, this effective date before this comic. Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then Dracula saying, okay, well, I guess you're right. And I, I guess we owe you a bounty. And... Dazzler's like, I don't want your bounty. I just want revenge. I want dibs. I want dibs on Alex. Alex, as we come Al-Hex. in with some new outfits and some ready to throw down attitudes. Well, it feels like these are other these outfits are reminiscent of the other ladies who were in the enclosure. Sure, but so Dazzler coming- is very much so in Oh Dazzler outfit. Yeah. Yes. And so Alex is on a date with an unsuspecting victim, and Dazzler is here to serve her revenge. Coming back at you. He breaks your heart, break even. We've got one more issue. What did you think of this? I love it. It's always fun. I think we definitely progressed the story. We got funny moments. We had baseball. We're back in Krakoa. We're linking us back up to this like back and forth of present day slash telling a story that we've been going back and forth this entire time so now we've caught up to that and i like that we're sort of getting an epilogue as a conclusion and that this wasn't the conclusion of the story yeah it's almost i'm curious of what this last issue is going to be you know like do we get this team to stick around in some way Mm. or or some incarnation of it i love this team i love Mm -hmm. this creative team i don't care if people want to cry over a well-placed pee fetish joke, this is fun. <laughs> it's funny. It's action-packed. The art is gorgeous. Love it. Carlos Gomez gets a pass to do whatever he wants on the X line. Yeah. Leah doesn't have a next X book announced, but I want to know what else she has in store for right. us. Because, yes, I love this book. Yeah, I do too. I really hope Leah is working on something else X-related. Mendo Mutato wants to know how is Exterminators going to top this month's issue? And I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like we say that every time. Yeah, well, uh, um, yeah, we do. <laughs> and I'd question if they're continuing to top themselves. Like, I, I love the issues. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know. Is this the best issue of Exterminators? I think the second one is my favorite. I think favorite. so, too. We peaked. And no. now we're just riding. We didn't peak. Don't say that. It was just a highlight moment. They're all great. It's like... When you say peaked, I feel like that has a negative connotation of like it goes downhill from there. It's line graph and we're at the highest point of the line graph with issue two. Is that is that better? Is that no? Is that the same? It's the same. Okay. But it's okay. I don't know how they're gonna stop. I don't know. But I'm I'm here to find out and I wanna know what else is next. I guess my my thought is we don't need to top it. We just need to be, we just need to revel in the story of, for sure. what it is. It Continue on the, the flavor. Mike Loves Mariah Carey, we finally get to see X-Men baseball. I grew up on this stuff. Love it. 
X-Men baseball. And he's here for the jokes. Boom Boom's poop bombs. The <laughs> Snick's stank and cosmic condoms had him laughing so hard. This comic keeps delivering. It's so good. Pastry Jordan agrees. More Krakoan baseball, please. I love the slice of life on Krakoa scenes. Mm, yeah. And it's something that we only get a little bit here and there. It's true because there's so many things happening all right. the time. It's great in Infinity Comics. And I think it's even better here when it's weaved into the story Mm -hmm. because it's only like that was what a couple pages of this and it still progressed the plot of these characters for sure spiders rules on exterminators do you see how happy cypher was cheering on bay is that isn't that cute it is so it's so adorable i love their relationship they're so in love and they're also running everything from the shadows and (laughs) i'm here for that they're also up to no good i had mentioned what Comic Extracts had said about them understanding each other, mm-hmm. Bay and Doug. But he also just says, this book is the most fun. That is all. Yes. Agreed. It is. It's just like every time I see it, every time it's in the pile, I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm like, I'm going to like this. It doesn't have to be life changing. I'm just going to have a good time yeah. in the 15, 20 minutes it takes me to read this book. Yeah. Eric Huffman said, it's a fun read again. Had fun eye spying all the different comic cosplay costumes yes the ladies were changing into boom boom for the win in the this one dropping a bomb in the toilet yeah and and yeah you can see some of these exact outfits are the 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 girls that are called out later we've got a captain america we've got a spider-man well there's cats and and woody astronaut Yes, an astronaut. There's definitely some Sailor Moon vibes going. A police officer, a referee. Well, Blonde China is really enjoying Exterminators. If we see another arc, I'd love to see them tackle a more serious enemy with high stakes. This is very fun, but I'd love to see something with the same energy or even including other characters. I love Leah's lens here. And Mm. we were talking about the, the Vampire Nation and how neither of us were interested in seeing them initially. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I was over the Vampire Nation and Wolverine, but it, it honestly did not detract from my enjoyment of the book. I, I, think... I just enjoyed it so much because of what it was. And, and the vampire element came after the fact that we already mm-hmm. introduced the character of these ladies. I think that what's so fun about these characters and their dynamic, which would be which would be fun to see. Um, them take on another villain is their sort of I don't know their attitude towards it of like okay vampires sit down yeah. like you think you're hot stuff but you're not like we got you and similarly to that issue of X-Men where we were seeing like and then we have to go deal with this problem and then we have to go deal with this problem like it would be funny for the exterminators to come back like once in a while and just go take on like a minor inconvenience but do it like with class or just like have them go you know they go out drinking together one night kind of like the snicked family thing right like they go on a vacation and it turns into this you know seedy wolverine hating slash loving family right so then these these four go out and do something together and there's like small potatoes villain doing something and they're like oh man we were trying to have a good time but now we have to take on this problem well it's funny to think about this existing as a team and if this can continue and then what havoc says in the next issue that we're about to talk about Mm. of wanting to be on an x-men team but maybe not this x-men team right are we going to 
see multiple teams of public facing X-Men. We already have a handful of teams doing various things around the island based on what they need to, you know, the Sabretooth and the Exiles is a team right. unsanctioned by Krakoa. But they're still a team. Right. The Knights of X, a team. Marauders, the Marauders are a team. They're a team. The New News. They're a team. They're a team. Potential. On mm-hmm. to our final book. Ooh, Dark Web X-Men, number two. Looming. Phil Noto looming Maddie's head in the background. It's gorgeous. We Behind know that. all our heroes. Dun, dun, dun. Page turn noise. The Summers are their own worst enemies. I'll see to it that it's true, Mr. Sinister. Love it. Love it. I'll pit those little buddies against each other. Yeah. Oh, there's so many, so many moments here. So good. And we're diving right in. This page was heartbreaking. Oh my God. Honestly, so much of this issue made me feel that Maddie was right. That's how we started the issue Mm -hmm. episode. Like for what she wants, she wants the life she wasn't able to live because she was manipulated. Similar, it seems to Ben. Obviously, they're not going about it the right way. Right. It's not Maddie's fault that she was created as a clone specifically just to give Sinister what he wanted as far as babies yeah as far as Cyclops the DNA, babies. right but like she's been through a lot and like this whole nightmare situation into her crying that's that's rough she just wants to she and she never really got to know her own son right like that's huge right cut to the streets of new york and this evil hot dog cart that is eating a man Forge puts it in his place, saves the man, and then invokes the five-second rule to you know, eat a hot dog off the floor. You can't save the world in an empty stomach. No, and you Forge can't. knows that. You need to have a hot dog when a hot dog presents itself to you. Yeah. Into the treehouse. I think that that's an interesting idea. The fact that they're bringing everyone into the safety that is the this barrier that maddie can't cross i do love that like we'll talk about it later don't worry about why no why the treehouse is safe like we can't really get into that right now but it is a safe space so why don't you all just come in here is that captain krakoa's suit in the background in that Mm. center panel it might be looks like it is it's been put on ice to later be revealed how it's going to be involved in the new unity squad because this has the stink of another summer's family domestic dispute. I love when lines lead into things like that. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so and clever. And it's great. I mean, it's a it's an amazing title for a book. Dupe, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Rod Reese and Phil Noto, letters by Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. And that cover, Phil Noto. Phil Noto. All right. Back to this story. Back to limbo. Maddie has her mind drive. The thing that was the the piece that they were after in Venom specifically, but even teased in Amazing Spider-Man all of this week. Mm-hmm. But she's got it here. The, the story arc flow of these three issues playing off of each other. Yes. She's trying to get out the experiences that she missed out on. And the, the experiences of holding her son for the first time. Right. Like, so, heartbreaking. 
Yeah, no, it's it's intense. Uh, the the X Factor time frame when Gene was alive with Scott and before Nathan was sent to the future because, you know, Gene didn't really have a whole lot of time with Nathan. They right. then did have the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix or the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix when they went up in the future and raised him. But she wants the feelings, not the numbers, computer. Yeah, I don't want you to beat boop bop at me. I want you to fill me with the things that I'm missing. It's just interesting to think of this piece of Krakoan technology and how you interact with it, right? So mm-hmm. a Cerebro helmet and all the stores that it has accessed and worn by a telepath, that's very clear. We mm-hmm. know that. That builds off of the Cerebro having previously been used. But this, just as a backup device, do you need a, a Cerebro unit of some sort to open it or access it? I feel like you do. I feel like this is... What you use if the Cerebro unit is affected and can't have the backup in it, but you still need that conduit to get to the goods. Right, right. Oh, Do you see, so this is Rod. Yes. Right, where this these is last few pages, yes. this is Phil in limbo. Yes. As we're, we're I can tell the differences in the face, the faces. Yeah, and the lines. Mm-hmm. So we're in the minds of G and Eliana together. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that they're in each other's minds or that they're together. And I just love that. So we find out later that what Maddie did was sort of revert them to before they had their powers, which does put Ileana to be much younger than Jean because of her experiences in Limbo and how she was introduced to her powers. But I am living for tiny Ileana yeah. being like, who are you? I'm going to kick you in the shin. Yeah. What are you doing here? You're not in charge. Who put you in charge? Yeah. And I also like that a little bit that she still has a Russian accent all of a sudden. Right. But can speak English because it's been implanted into her memories right. from Xavier. Right. It's interesting the idea of what we've been running through all of this event with. They have been de-aged and their memories have been removed mm-hmm. of their full selves. Mm-hmm. Right. Something that has happened to Ben Something that has happened to Venom. Mm-hmm. And so they're going into the mansion. They're not quite sure where they are. But they're but definitely it's not alone. Dollhouse Mansion yeah. and Sinister is watching? I don't know. That's the only thing that I'm like, where is this? What's happening here? When does this come back into play? I feel like this is being created by Madeline, mm-hmm. right? So this, as we get a data page later on, just the amount of power that she has access to both telepathy and magic to mm-hmm. be able to create something like this. I don't know. I don't. Maybe it's just sinister in his importance to her maybe her history. Mm-hmm. But they got to go down to the basement. Yeah. Jean's younger self playing with the idea of her powers as Ilyana arms herself with a stick and they head to the <laughs> You should have got a stick too. Yeah. I, I just love their character attitude. Like little Ilyana is amazing and She's young so Jean great. just puts her in her place, mm-hmm. you know, with the confidence of her older self. And Ilyana's like, wait, what? <laughs> Why are you? Nobody talks to me this way. Yeah. Get out of here. Who are you? Get a stick and shut up. <laughs> as we get this data page kind of recapping the event. Yeah. Telling or, us where we're at and how we got here. Here are our major players, right? The Goblin Queens, she got power and the place of limbo. We've divided and conquered amongst the X-Men team, plus costumes. That's fun. Costumes. Goblin Prince. And then 
we're uh, we're still questioning magic's reasoning for why she did that thing she did mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that they're calling attention to it because everybody else is asking right about because it. we can't act like it's not a real question that yeah. every reader is asking right so to address it i feel like all right so you're going to say something right so something is there's, going to be there's going to be a conversation there's got to be a resolution to this somehow so <laughs> oh god maddie has taken cyclops's visor and he's got his eyes closed. And if he were to open his eyes, he would murdy, murder his puppy mobile. Yeah. So he's he's got puppies tied around his face. <laughs> Just dangling like a little baby crib mobile. This is so ridiculous. And it's funny. And it's just it's just so like that is a terrible thing to do to someone, mm-hmm. especially someone who is a Boy Scout like Cyclops. Yes, right. And then this conversation between Maddie and Havoc where he's saying the things he's saying, but by starting out saying like, in therapy, and the way that her face twinges of like, oh, you're in therapy? Like, did I do that to you? Uh, yes. Yes. I th- yes. I th- well, you know, yes, but also other people and right. things. You know, Havoc has been manipulated by several forces in the Marvel Universe. Yes. And we're talking about having quitting the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I want to be on a team, but not this team. This isn't a trick. I'm not just working for the X-Men. Right. I don't need your help. I got this on my own. Speaking of, I have something that's unfolding that I need to tend to. I need to go work on my spell. As we cut back to our downstairs details of our little toy mansion. <laughs> And tiny Ileana takes down demon apocalypse with a stick. Yeah, and he's just made out of a bunch of scarabs. He's not real. But the bugs are. But the bugs are. Yeah. As Maddie is calling for rescue from these demons, these little bamps. They're not demons. The real demons are out there. I think it's a convincing lie to trick the girls, though, right? Mm-hmm. To set them in this mindset, this mind space, and then to play off of the fact that, oh, no, I'm just another one of you all. I'm also trapped here. Right. Here. I'm, su- I'm surprised she didn't visually de-age herself. Right. Take this orb and unlock it. Help me. Well, you know an awful lot of some for someone that, you know, is just threatened. Yes, dear. Imagine it opening. Right. The oh, so evil devious. eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back Trying, in the dungeon. <laughs> back in the dungeon as... Cyclops has recruited this puppy to join the X-Men. This is adorable and ridiculous. He's just like, come on, little buddy. Go get the visor. And the Havoc. puppy is sleeping. Is it happening? Uh, no. And, and then this moment between the brothers where Cyclops is oh, like, I know you were just like saying that. No. And Havoc's like, no, man. No, man. I really don't want to be on the team. I deserve. This is a huge moment. Yeah. No, this was the only, you know, this was maybe working through some of the stuff that came out of the last few issues of X-Men mm-hmm. where they're always on each other's nerves. They're always at each other's throats. All right. Well, I, I don't need to be here. You're here. Right? Yeah. Some other team needs me. You don't need me. I'm just essentially. Yeah, that's what everybody was like. Okay. So we got another Summers brother. That's also a energy manipulator throwing massive amounts of energy at people. Yeah. Definitely feels like it's setting Havoc up to leave the team at the end of the year. And I think the the Pikachu is on the right trail saying that he's going to the new Unity Squad 
as we see teased on the free comic book day. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves the team before the end of the year. Sure, right. You know, before the the team becomes whatever the new team is. Right. I I mean, you know, whatever that is or happens, we'll see. Mm -hmm. We only have, what, like six issues until then? Right. I know. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> he he just joined the team. Right. He just got here. He has not been here the whole time, I swear. He's <laughs> working out this brother time between the two of them as Scott realizes, oh, wait, no, maybe Jean's also trapped. Maybe I'm not supposed to just be waiting here for her to save me. Maybe I'll call out to her because something's awry and we need to fix it. He gives her this little psychic pep talk. I, I love the way that the art tells this story of her going to put the helmet on her head and then seeing like hesitating and seeing her actual reflection. Yeah. So not her younger self, but who she is right now yeah. and realizing that she's being manipulated and Maddie also seeing that and realizing something is not going well and then boom gene is fully herself and Ileana, are you guys sisters yeah, yeah, yeah. wait how are you, you're big now what happened <laughs> i just i love little Ileana. the way she points that stick how did you do this what, what happened why are you big where's the ice cream is there any ice cream in this dump <laughs> we're working through it gene's calling her out maddie's not happy to be lectured by gene gray as right. we Get ready to slap it out. Yeah. As the wind up on this one panel and the last page. You want to go. Reveal. Let's go. This is the first time, I'm pretty sure, the first time that these two characters have interacted since Inferno. I love this page. There's so much I love about it. I love the colors. I love baby Eliana's shocked face. I don't love that Gene is smacking Maddie in the face because I feel for Maddie. Sure. But at the same time. I feel for Maddie to an extent. Right. And then she Not does the things way you like go this. About it. Right. She's manipulating people to get the secrets of their life experience and then steal it from them and implant it in herself. Right, right, right. My, Destroying my, all of New York in the process. Yeah. My <laughs> empathy for Maddie goes to an extent. Right. For sure. On to the next issue tease, Redhead Redemption. Ooh. Which I think is a play off the video game title, Red Dead Redemption. Mm. I also loved the moment, oh, where is it? It's somewhere in here where Maddie is trying, she's saying like where she got certain information and then she's like, I may or may not have also snuck that information out of a Summer's brother. Yeah. And right. I don't know if that's in this issue or if that was in the Venom when her and Hollow's Eve were talking. I think it's not in this issue because who would she be talking to? Right, who is she telling that? It must have been in venom what do you think about this one i loved it i think it's great i i like that this is so very clearly a dark web story but it's also so very clearly still x-men like we're still seeing the team and because jerry is still writing it right. it's still progressing their story it's not just this offshoot of what's happening in dark web right it's interesting because jerry had done something similar around this time last year with devil's reign mm -hmm. but that then became an emma frost story right, right? not really utilizing the team the team was there mm -hmm. but this is very much so focused on these four a core grouping of the team that all have connections to madeline yeah and the story that's been built up so 
I'd imagine that this story has been brewing for a while, mm-hmm. right? Maybe even, I don't, I don't know, because I, I'm pretty sure when Maddie died at the beginning of the Hellions run, mm-hmm. Zeb had no intention of bringing her back. Right. But Zeb was also working on the things with the Beyond Corp and Spider-Man and then moving into the role of writer of Amazing Spider-Man. So just the conversations that led to this and the involvement still with the X office, mm-hmm. they, they got people everywhere. Yeah. They're bouncing ideas all around. Yeah, I love this. Uh, the silliness, the beautiful art, the amount of story we're getting and exploring the summers. I love the exploration we get for Madeline's motivation. She just wants to experience what life she missed. Yeah. Raising the child that was essentially stolen for her. It sets up some interesting next steps for Maddie versus Jean and Havoc in general. I'm, I'm curious as to where we're going with the third issue and beyond that essentially because i see nothing of maddie in future solicits oh yeah she's not on any covers or in the back like i don't i don't understand how we end this and she's like okay well then i'm gonna go back to limbo and i'll just be on my own out there well i feel like that could also be strategic like they're not showing you anything of where she's gonna be because they don't want you to know anything about the outcome of dark web i would hope that'd be good yeah we'll see Mando Mutato. How satisfying was that slap? <laughs> it, I think you have mixed reactions. I, think. I do. I have mixed reactions because I'm very much team Maddie. But I think it was well-deserved for yes. like your essentially torturing us. Right. And I, I think I would feel differently about the satisfaction of the slap had the image not been spoiled for me sure yeah that's true i did see it on wednesday on the internet before i read the issue so i was a little bit you know as soon as we got the the wind up moment i was like oh i know what's happening Right, right you know i did not so i read this on wednesday after we went to the comic shop and uh this was this was satisfying in the sense that, yes, I am also Team Maddie to an extent. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jean has the right to be able to stand up for herself and her experiences. It is not Jean's fault right, what happened to Maddie. What happened to Maddie was largely the manipulations of Sinister, Nastier, and Sim throughout Inferno. However... I still think Cyclops is at fault for some of it. That's why I haven't referenced him in any way at all. Yeah, he, he definitely is in the wrong in this at, at some point. And especially just his attitude in the first issue and in Dark Web of like, oh, we got to go handle this. And, and, and Havoc constantly being like, oh, well, let's talk about this. Let's see what is going on. What's wrong? Right. Like, I don't think... In, in conversations that we had when we were leaning up to the original Inferno and, and learning about Maddie and how she came to the place in the story where she was when Inferno was about to start, I do think that Cyclops was dealing with some really serious emotional, mental confusion and just hardship with what had happened to Jean, the fact that you're dating this this woman and marrying her and she looks exactly like your dead ex-girlfriend so you've put this thought in your mind and then your your ex-girlfriend comes to life and you don't know how to handle that but it's not Maddie's fault that she looked like Jean and it's not Sinister's fault right exactly and it's not Jean's fault that Maddie didn't get to experience the life that she should have experienced or that she wanted to right a lot of this is Sinister's fault yes Um, but I do think 
and and maybe it has happened, but I don't recall Cyclops ever apologizing to mm. Maddie about the way that walking he treated her, her family, and like walking family. out on her and being like, sorry, I was, you know, the person I actually loved. I was really like, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but I was really using you to fill a void in my life. And when Jean came back, I kind of was like, well, I don't need Maddie anymore. And that too yes. just plays more into the fact that Maddie doesn't feel like she has an actual identity because finding out about Jean makes her realize that she was just a placeholder. A placeholder. Yeah. And that's so gonna that's... spiral her into a whole nother Yeah. So I think it's a lot of circumstances that are not necessarily anybody's fault, but it makes it hard for Except me. for Sinister. Right. Except for Sinister. <laughs> And, you know, Nasir and Sim yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Belasco and all the, those folks. Right. But it's hard for me to completely villainize Maddie when I can see in the same way that you can justify why Cyclops did the things that he did. I can justify why Maddie is so upset and why she's like longing for this identity to call her own. Yeah. And I think that because of the authority that she got through the first inferno that's why she was clinging to limbo because that's the thing that gave her power and gave her authority similar to what i was saying about ben and why he is going so hard into being evil because it's giving them a sense of worth right right you know i did not have an identity separate from the base that i was cloned from right this is who i've become and the influences that i've had to shape who i am now mm-hmm I mentioned this before, but the Pikachu is wondering if Havoc is going to join the new Unity Squad, possibly as Captain Krakoa. And I oh, think he was on the list when we were talking about that image and it first revealed uh, that broad chin, mm. the fact that he was a co-leader of the Uncanny Avengers with Captain America. That is a good, that's a good question. That's an interesting thought, especially since we see the Captain Krakoa suit in this issue. And the fact that, you know, Jerry has connections to that. I would be surprised if Jerry goes to write that mm -hmm. just because he's done that book before and he's on X-Men and he's on Iron Man. And those feel like, you know, those are the big, big things, ones, right? Yeah. Those are the big solo and big team book that you can get to. I, right. It almost feels like to go back to the Unity Squad would be a step back. You know, mm -hmm. he, he wanted to get to this book, X-Men. Right. He has said in interviews that he probably only has one year after this. He's got a third year of stories plotted. That, okay, my God. My, my heart was dropping as you were saying that. I was like, you mean he's only going to be on X-Books for one more year? One more year after the end of... So, like, one more iteration of the Krakow and X-Men team. On X-Men? Yes. But, the, but then he'll stay. I don't know. The, no, There's but then... No. no, no. He's already putting up new work elsewhere. Oh, Jerry, 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 Jerry. Don't leave me, Jerry. I need you to stay. Warline's saying Jerry finally cracked the code of writing a good X-Men book. Minimal amount of jokes, great interpersonal relationships, seriousness, some mind manipulation, and most importantly, fixing havoc. He freaking goes to therapy and wants to fix himself. Good for you, mate. And I, th I think, you know, he's definitely been improving over the last couple of years and growing his, his mastery over this as a team book. I think Marauders was the first time I'd ever read Jerry's work, mm -hmm. and that was a great 
two-character focus story, largely, with some supporting players, right? No comment. I'm just going to listen. And this is really growing into a balanced team book and Mm -hmm. character stories with everyone. I think he's been doing really well this year in particular. I think I have not been griping this year as I was last year, every other issue. Mm -hmm. This, This year has been all thumbs up. Yeah, I think uh, agree to disagree because Jerry's one of my favorite writers and I've always liked what he did. So I don't, I would agree that this was a really good issue and the X-Men book in general has been really great over the last few months. Yeah. But for me, it's the word finally yeah. that says like, oh, I agree to disagree with right. you, right? Like I think the points that are being made by both of you are great, but I don't think that He's been writing bad books before that. I think that there were some growing pains and we've worked it out earlier than Warline <laughs> is saying. Everyone can have their own opinions. Yep. Everyone can feel differently. Yep. Maddie's face reacting to have it going to therapy was chef's kiss. It's and so, so was Jean slapping Maddie. Omega powered women about to have a cat fight between the two of them. That's going to be great. Yeah. I'm er- ready for that. Eric Huffman's best moment of the week in a long time is Forge eating a five-second rule hot dog. <laughs> he was rolling from it. I love it. Yeah. No, it's it was so great. so good. I loved that moment It was such so a much. side moment, too. Like, yeah. not relative to the whole plot of the other story. But also just plays into those kind of what we were talking about with baseball, right? Like, right. it's just an aside. Character it's a character moment. Like, I'm hungry. I just I defeated just, a demon. Yeah, right. Also, Havoc is leaving just as Alicia remembers that he's on the team. (laughs) Where will he go now? I think he's definitely, you know, we're talking about it. Uh, I think there were a couple other people that had also pointed to the fact that is is he going to the Unity Squad? Is he Mm -hmm. going? I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think that that gives him purpose. I think that that plays a role that he feels familiar with. And if if you want to put him as Captain Krakoa, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I don't know if that's just to up the Krakoan presence. You know, you have their captain who also just kind of disappeared into the background. No one's heard from or seen him at all. We don't know. Because that was the thing we talked about when that image came out. Cyclops never revealed that he had been posing as Captain Krakoa this whole time. He just came out and said, I am alive. I think people were like, oh, so you've been fooling us this whole time. Yeah, maybe. Either that or there are so many mutants, the standard there, person probably doesn't bat an eye to- so many mutants. Right. But I'm saying they probably are not like, wait, where was that one guy that was around for a few weeks? It was suspect from the start. That right. Like, hey, your leader died and now there's this mysterious guy that we can't see his face. Mm-hmm. His eyes are covered. He kind of also has eye beams. Yeah. Mike loves Mariah Carey says that Rod Reese is an artistic genius. Sinister framed with his toy house with Gene and magic in it and Gene's psychic slap. That will be talked about for years. Mm-hmm. The comic, this comic gives and gives. I, I agree. I love Rod Reese. Yeah, I love Rod Reese. I love Phil. Yeah, this was a beautiful combination. Their art complements each other really nicely. And, and I feel like Rod really handles the mindscape, mm-hmm. right? That, that's where... His work on New Mutants, I felt like, was the strongest because it has that ability to be a little outside of the the natural, the reality of Mm -hmm. things. And especially 
in contrast to Phil's more structured or, or hard lined, mm-hmm. this is what's happening in limbo type yeah. pages. Mike also says, does the Summers family need to adopt a puppy? Can Cyclops train the dogs in a Marvel Unlimited series like Jeff the Landshark, please? They are really cute puppies. Yeah. No, they're adorable. Comic Extracts is on the same boat as we are. Maybe it's wrong, but after reading Dark Web, I'm really feeling for Maddie, Ben, and Janine. Mm-hmm. The writers did an awesome job making you feel the loss of their memories, how betrayed and ignored and stolen from they all feel. They aren't doing the right thing and they are hurting innocent people to steal Correct. back what's yes, theirs, yes. but it's incredibly relatable. Yes. Right? So it's just the fact that they have loss, mm-hmm. the fact that they have something personal that's been taken from them and they're working to get it back. Right. I agree. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's so much. That was a lot. It was great, though. I really enjoyed all of the books. The there wasn't a book that I was like, oh, man. Hmm. <laughs> I was I was lukewarm on New Mutants, but. All right. It was fine. It was good. I think I actually said it was fine. It was fine. We have a, another big week next week. Well, what do we got? X-Men Legends number five. Okay. Scarlet Witch number one. Ooh, yeah. I think we're going to pick up at least the first couple of issues. At least. We'll see. It's just we're adding too many books. Isn't Polaris in that book? She's in like the first couple of issues, but that's it. We'll see. It's been confirmed in an interview. We'll see. Marauders number 10, a double dose of Steve Orlando. Okay. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number 8 with Emma Frost. Emma, Emma, giddy, giddy, Emma, Emma Frost. Captain Marvel number 45, continuing our brood story. Ooh, which will a brood soon, awakening. Which will soon lead into the X-Men crossover with Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. X-Force number 36, following up on the captured beast. Oh, snap. From last issue. And X-Men Red number 10. Oh, let's go, X-Men the Red. Heat. Got to be. Got to be. Sorry. No Legion of X? Nope. Oh. That's the following week. That's the following week. Got it. Yeah, I have the lineup for the following week just because I'm trying to prepare for when we're oh, on right. vacation. Oh, right. That's why. Because we were talking about that. And I, <laughs> everything is a blur in my mind. Yep. Well, it's going to be great. We're going to love it. And? And? Are you asking me to do the closing? Yeah. <laughs> well, and isn't really the preface to until next time. But that's okay. I'll it, get there. It works. All right. Well, anyway, (laughs) until next time, old friend. Charles across the multiverse. Oh, gosh. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.